Hello everyone and welcome to Beyond the INC, the podcast that does not consider unauthorised back channels to be a resigning matter. Will anyone get that? Do you know, I, I have faith in our highbrow listenership. Hmm. It's been a hell of a couple of months since we were last with you. Uh, Andrew, you went to America? And then Chris went to America, but only after he got married first. Yeah, good times. Uh, but now we're back and uh, just in time for album four. So today we'll just catch up on a few of the more important things that have been going down in the past few weeks. Uh, we'll be talking about why there's double the fun when it comes to singles and videos. We'll be talking about why we can't get our heads around album previews. We've got some chat with the audience at the Bexhill launch shows for Strangeland. And we may throw in a bit about what we think the run-up to the release of the record tells us about the future of the band. Big weighty subjects on a big weighty podcast. So please do make yourselves comfortable and enjoy the long-awaited 64th episode of Beyond the Iron Sea. So, as we said, we've been away doing some cool stuff, but luckily for all of you, Keen have been doing things that are even cooler. So... In classic Beyond the INC style, here are some of their best bits. With six days to go until Strangeland goes on sale in the UK, and just three until it hits the first shop shelves around the world, the band are in the middle of promoting the hell out of the record, with a number of interviews, sessions, and radio and TV gigs lined up. So uh, check out the official website for a comprehensive list as it gets bigger every day. Bong. One of the aforementioned radio gigs is at the BBC's famous radio theatre in central London on the day the album comes out. That's Monday, 7th of May. Um, it is such a special event that we're all being given the day off to prepare for it, which just shows how highly the Queen thinks of the band. Bong. They'll also be playing a secret location on Radio 2's 2-day two on 10th of May, further cementing the relationship between the station and the band. Uh, they've been generous enough to play Silence by the Night more than any other tune over the past week or two. Bong. So, just uh, about TV sets, the band had ticked off Graham Norton, and they're now set for the political theatre of the Andrew Marr Show on BBC One this Sunday morning. Uh, personally, my hope is that one of the Tory front benches on, and Richard knocks them the fuck out accidentally on purpose. Bong. Out in Europe, the band have recorded slots for Scandinavian TV and have penciled in some gigs in Iberia next month. Again, full details are on keenmusic.com. Speaking of Iberia, the fantastic video for Disconnected showed that Keen are capable of decent promos when they don't just pick the first treatment that only involves Tom. It puts the band at the heart of an Argento-style horror film with plenty of implied violence and sex. Amazing. Silence by the Night got a video too, although it came across a bit more like an afterthought than a big production for Disconnected. It's a simple idea featuring a couple on a road trip and the band playing in a desert. And there's a bit of casual backseat rotting as well. A promo copy of Strangeland turned up on eBay and sold for an eye-watering sum a few weeks back. Now clearly there's someone out there with more money than sense, but at least they didn't rip it and upload it online. The band teamed up with Amazon for an evening with Keen, featuring a Q&A with journalist Peter Mephitis and a half-hour set of new and old material. There was a, there's a great reaction to it, and it will be repeated on the Amazon website and through their video service, Love Film. Bong. The Silence by the Night charts at just number 71 in the UK, possibly as a result of the release date being brought forward unexpectedly, and possibly because it was so long after the radio debut, people just 
were waiting for the album. I don't know. We'll never know. But what we do know is that more people downloaded a town called Malice by The Jam than bought the single last week. People are odd, Chris, you know? You can't trust people. Bong. The band have announced an American tour, which will follow straight on from a UK tour in June. After that, they have festival slots at Tea in the Park, Latvia's Festivus, and the V Festival. More on these later. Bong. And finally, you may have read Richard tweeting about a special Black Rain beer that I made for the Bexhill shows. It's a coffee-infused oatmeal stout, if you are familiar with that kind of beer. And it's pretty good, if I say so myself. I mean, Chris has tried some. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I can't send it through iTunes, so I'm afraid you're going to have to use your imaginations. Bong. That's just a small selection of the news that's been going around lately. It'd be boring to just throw news at you, right? Key top tips. Capture the thrill of a Tom Chapman solo show by watching Keen through a toilet roll. Back in March, Keen went home, playing Bexel on Seas Dillawar Pavilion for the first time to debut some of the songs of Strangeland to the rest of the world. Now, when the rest of the world came out through those glass doors, with their minds pretty much to a man blown, we asked them to reflect on their day down by the seaside in Sussex. By the I arrived in Bexhill on Thursday, and it's been lovely and sunny most of the time. The venue's been brilliant. They brought us free tea and coffee, and they were really nice to us, and the gigs were amazing. Favourite new song is Silence by the Night, and also like On the Road. Really liking the old songs, they're sounding good as well. Tom's voice is sounding brilliant, and they were on fine form. Well, we, we had uh, a few fabulous days in Bexhill, the Lewark Pavilion, seeing Keen two times, listening to the beautiful new songs and the old ones, of course. And, um, well, I'm uh, looking forward to see them back on Pink Pop. Uh, well, um, I don't know exactly the titles of all the new songs, but I um, I love Disconnected, I love Children uh, Life Cafe, and um, On the Road. Um, well, yeah, this very cheer, cheer, cheerful one. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. Well, I, I actually love all the new songs too. Yeah. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. It's nice. I I've been here before two times, and because also of the Southern Life Cafe, of course. And um, it's nice. I will be I'll be back again. Yeah, sure. And uh, so this is uh, Dave Brown. Hi. Good evening, everyone. Um, the new songs are sounding really good. So it's a couple of them um, a little ropey, but the rest of them. Going back towards hopes and fears, um, quite layered. Tim's, Tom's vocals sounded uh, as strong as that. He still hasn't learned how to use his arms, and his in between song banter still a little bit um, corny. Um, you know, Bex Hill, what? Imagine Bex Hill on a Friday night. It's like, yeah, nice one. Um, <laughs> but all in all, yeah, this song's good. 
the old stuff sounds great. The finishing with crystal balls a bit of flat time, which is not great song that I've ever written. Um, that's it. It's been absolutely super today. We've had two fantastic gigs in a row. Um, brilliant new songs on the road, my favourite. Uh, got Tim Statlis tonight. We've had some good company. Um, you know, some good meeting up with the band again that we haven't seen for a few years, nearly now. Um, it's just been fantastic. Great to come somewhere different than London. Any seaside stuff that you did? Um, had a walk on the beach, went to the night cafe, um, had something to eat there. Um, it's a lovely place, yes, it's a bit very sunny as well. Okay. I came down on Friday and it's all been very civilised. It's not like the scary London gigs where all the security people are really mean and look at you like you're you know, not very nice. It's just been really relaxed. It's a gorgeous seaside venue. So weather was crap yesterday. Lovely, lovely chip shop. So at this very second, we just sat overlooking the water. Waves crashing on the shore, it's just gone down. Not very lovely in English. Uh, oh, obviously the gig itself is quite good as well. You know that that was that was worth coming down for. So uh, the uh, new new rocking songs are brilliant. Really get the crowd going. All well wants to know the words. But the slow songs make me cry because I'm a sloppy cow. But overall, the new stuff is brilliant. The old stuff seems to get in really well with it. And uh, I'm very excited about it. The gig was so good that I moshed my shoes off and the ball and I'm now walking it out in front of the dinner while with my shoes tied around my neck whilst there's broken glass in the street and yeah, she was that good. Blood? <laughs> no. Just before we move on, uh, I wanted to clear up what was said about the singles on the uh, on the last episode. As we now know, we ended up with two singles and two videos for the price for one, but not quite in the way you described last time. Uh, so, so what's the story then, Andrew? Okay, um, as I understand it, Disconnected was the original choice for the single. We had that big um, production lined up for the single, uh, mm-hmm. for the video rather. Um, the label in the US, though, really wanted to go with Silence by the Night, um, which pretty much is where we were last episode. Yeah, so what what changed after then, then? Well, I, I don't know if anything changed as such, but I think it's just that um, while Dis- Disconnected was the choice with the video and everything, I think the label or the band felt that actually Silence by the Night might have actually been a better choice of lead single, and then Disconnected with this fantastic um, Spanish video um, would be the single in Europe. And then once you had that divergence, you then needed a, a video for Silence by the Night, that got put together during the South by Southwest trip, um. and that's how we've ended up with two singles and two videos. I mean, obviously the, the, the semantics of it are that the disconnected single is actually a, what's the phrase? I think it's launch single is what's right. being used. Uh, you know, something that helps to promote the uh, album without actually being a single in the traditional sense. So mm. yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's as I understand it. Hmm. All very interesting. Uh, should we talk a bit about previews then? Um, yeah, yeah. This is something that we we were talking about this um, before we started recording tonight, and it's something that we both feel kind of um, strongly about. Um, just to clarify this, and I know um, there's been some doubt about this on Twitter, but um, Chris and I haven't actually heard Strange Land yet. Um, personally, I've heard the live songs that were played in Bexhill because I was there. I've heard the singles that have gone out to radio. I've heard uh, Strange Land, uh, which was given away free. 
and I've heard Myth, which was the B-side to Silence by the Night. So um, that's all I've heard. Um, you've been even more disciplined than that. I've I've heard the uh, two songs that have videos, the Silence by the Night and Disconnected, and, and that's it. I haven't listened to Strange Land or any... Oh, and I have listened to Myth as well, but none of the other album tracks. And actually, earlier on, I played... W- I just started playing one of the songs that I recorded at Bex Hill, and Chris puts his fingers straight in his ears. Um, and that's that's not some kind of puritanical, kind of holier-than-thou attitude, so you're you're saving yourself for um, the record coming out. But it's it's just that you, and I mean I as well, want to hear the album as a whole, as the band originally intended it to be listened to, yeah? I mean, I've always, yeah, I've I've always done that, you know. I've always listened to the album as a whole rather than sort of bits and pieces hit you know here and there and on a little i mean the the worst thing is 90 second preview clips because then you don't get a sense of the song i mean it's it's like it'd be like reading you know the middle the middle three chapters of, of harry potter i mean yeah. that would be it'd just be bizarre well, yeah well i'll tell you what we'll, we'll talk about talk about those in just a second okay but um the uh albums have two trailers two trailers mm. um so far which have got large parts of new songs in yeah, so I watched the first one. I haven't even watched the second one. That's how how much I want to avoid hearing snippets and spoiling it. I, was, I do I do think you know we, we raised this when we spoke to Tim about five years ago. Now it was actually we said uh, are, are they still into albums because you know with digital distribution they can do anything they like, throw out a single here, there, and everywhere. And obviously they played around with the release format with a little little bit with Night Train, but obviously but you know they've gone time and time and again they've gone back to the album format and they've said how important a complete album is so i'm gonna i'm gonna you know yeah have faith in that and and, and listen to it as it was intended which i think probably will be the most enjoyable way to do it as well and yeah. see kind of see where they're coming from with those 12 songs yeah well i don't think they're uh, what with those songs i don't think they could necessarily be the best ones they're the ones that fit together the best yeah but the, the, you mentioned the 90 second previews and that's you know this, I think, probably better than anyone else. It's a, it's a contractual thing that iTunes demands 90-second previews of songs, and pretty much every song has a 90-second preview. Right. But I, I, you know that doesn't necessarily mean that the the band on their official website have to take all the 90-second previews and shove them in people's faces with an interactive player, as they've got, and encourage you say, "Come listen to our 90-second previews. See what they're like." Well, yes. I, th- that's, I think that's the new media way, really, isn't it? I mean, we were always shouting at everyone for being so slow, and, and, <laughs> and now and now we're the Luddites, you know? I think the music industry's overtaken us. It's personal choice, I think. The um, the way that it's been phrased has been, you know, listen to these songs, tell us what you think, um, mm. that sort of thing, as though it's you're not involved, you're not part of the game unless you're listening to, you know, as much of the album before it comes out. As, ah, I don't. As I don't know if that's the intention. I think you know it's it's giving people what they want. But is is that the right thing? I mean, I certainly. <laughs> I, I know I've done that before. Where I've listened to ninety second preview clips, and then I've kicked myself because you know that's been weeks before the album, and I just you know it kind of takes the edge off it a bit. Whereas it's it would be like opening half. You know, seeing a taking the wrapping paper off your Christmas presents and not opening the box until Christmas Day. <laughs> that's <laughs> how it feels for me. And doing that four weeks before Christmas isn't as exciting as going down Christmas morning and seeing all the boxes. Well, I don't know. I think we've done really well to ignore all, all of these sort of 90 second clips, you know, stripped of stripped of the context and their art form and all that sort of thing. Um, and it, it just seems to me like it's the, it's the opposite of good lingerie. In what way? Well, good lingerie, it gives you an idea of what's underneath. 
but it still leaves you anticipating more if you if you're with me. It's you know you know what I mean. Whereas these you know giving giving people tiny bits of songs, it's like it's the peephole bra of album promotion. <laughs> right. Okay. The 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 crotchless panties of uh, promotion. I don't know what those are. It's it's the spread eagled babe station of promotion, Chris. I really don't know what that is. It's uh. It's not something that we want to get on board with. Key Top Tips. Convince podcast listeners that you're Tim Rice Oxley by pausing and considering every single every single uh, every single word when you're talking. Over the years, Chris and I have talked at length with Tim about his songwriting. Um, one time, a few years ago, I can remember saying something along the lines of how non-specific his songs were, and he said it was bollocks. Um, he's always been engaging when talking about his songs, hasn't he? He's yeah, I mean, it's always been interesting to hear him discuss where the songs come from and sort of the musical direction he's wanted to take the band in. Um, but some of the quotes that the band have been giving about songwriting for this record are, are probably worth discussing a bit further. Yeah, I think there's a... A sense from the band that Perfect Symmetry, they look back on it now as being something that is... I've seen the term self-indulgent used. A bit a of a folly. Of times. I think I think that's one way of looking at it. And I think the... We all knew at the time that Perfect Symmetry was a departure in musical terms. The way that the band were being styled, and I don't just mean in the hair and clothes, I mean the um, record uh, jacket, mm-hmm. the whole design element was something that was a complete right turn from where they were to start with. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting, wasn't it? No, it was. And, and and to be honest, for that reason, it was one of my favourite records because I know people are very fond of Hopes and Fears. And, and with, you know, with Hopes and Fears, you know what you're getting. You know, uh, fantastic songs. But I was also interested in combining the sort of uh, that underlying songwriting with a, a more interesting musical aspect. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of they brought the latter aspect. Whether they brought the first aspect with songs like "Playing Along" is is debatable. But uh. I think people don't realise how well received "Perfect Symmetry" was critically, because I I don't recall many reviews that were one or two stars. This is dreadful. This is a band who are in their co- not so much in their comfort zone, but this is a band who are out of their depth doing what they're doing. It was generally perceived to be an interesting evolution. And a band that were doing something different, and yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it wasn't the best received album, but I don't think it was a failure. And no, you know, no, I think I not. think that a lot of interesting lessons were learnt from it, and also the night train, you know, is is a it plays a massive part in that as well. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that, hearing the new album and seeing the the two mashed together. Really, yeah. Do you think? I think the elephant in the room here is that Perfect Symmetry didn't sell. As well as under the Iron Sea or hopes and fears, right? Do you think that there has been a move from the band to try and be more commercially successful with this album, based on what you've heard from them in interviews and the singles that you've heard so far? That's a really, really interesting question. Um, I don't know about commercially se- successful. I think they probably want to be successful with their fans. I don't think they care too much about critics or, or the money, but I think. They do in the sense that they want to appeal to a lot of people. Um, 
and that has always been through the, the you know the, the the classic keen traits which have been there through all the albums and just sort of in uh, mm. different presence I think what struck me with Perfect Symmetry is that it was being marketed to people or rather the band was selling it to people as well this is the record we wanted to make I can remember Richard saying to us when we were doing a podcast in this very room saying that you know if that means we lose some of the fans who are with us for Hopes and Fears and Under the Iron Sea well if that's what we gave you then that's what we gave you and great but this is what we needed to do now whereas some of the interviews I've read for this have been a little bit defensive a little bit more sort of you know, we realised that Perfect Symmetry was a bit difficult for some people and self-indulgent and almost apologetically saying, well, we know that we didn't take some people with us, but hey, we've come back with a record that we think might appeal to some of you that we left behind. And the message has been to try and tell those people, actually, you know, we haven't forgotten about you and we've made a record you're going to like. That'll be interesting to see whether they do do th- big mainstream things. Like, I wouldn't really wouldn't be surprised to see them on The Voice or, you know, sort of yeah. Saturday night TV programmes sort of trying to go back to that. But I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing and, you know, time will tell. And interestingly, at the Bexhill gigs, we still had Spiralling and Perfect Symmetry in the set. Yeah, there's d- I mean, there's nothing wrong with, th- with those songs at all or any of the songs on Perfect Symmetry. Nothing from Night Train, though, which is interesting. Hmm. No, no, sorry, My Shadow was on there. Although, technically, you could argue that that was a bonus track for um, Perfect Symmetry. We're getting into semantics there. Um, anyway, the um, the one other thing I did want to say is that I've never seen Tim look quite so nervous and tense as around the around the gigs in Bexhill. Um, certainly, he seemed he seemed sort of very un- unusually so after the after the shows. Um, when I sort of saw him around the around the venue, um, and I think, you know, it's sometimes easy to forget that his reputation as a songwriter is on the line every time you have a new record come out. Well, I mean, all the interviews have been pretty strict. You know, have all said that it's all about the songs, and they whittled yeah. them down from a hundred, and these are the best ones. So you know, they really have put their necks on the line a bit if, if they're going to be judged for songwriting. Yeah, and with, yeah, with Perfect Symmetry, I think it was a bit easier because they didn't set such high goals apart from pleasing themselves so in that sense it could be more of a su- success for the band whereas this one they've I don't know if they've compromised trying to trying, trying to, to reproduce trying to that old vibe yeah if, if they've compromised on anything in that and whether it'll seem forced so that's what I'm really interested to hear on the, on the new record whether it does sound like I mean you know we're only talking about this because we're, we are on the subject but um but yeah, wh- whether it does sound false in that sense will be interesting. Yeah. To be honest, I just I'm looking forward to that moment this coming Monday morning when I can put the Strange Land vinyl onto the turntable and listen to it all straight. Well, obviously I have to turn it over, and I, d- I can't remember whether it's a two disc set or not. But I can't wait to listen to the whole thing and just get that sense that actually Tim didn't have anything to worry about in the first place. Yeah. Key top. Get the Jesse Quinn experience in your workplace by paying South American girls to abuse you whilst you try on various hats. And that is all from us for today's Beyond the ANC. I know we've said it before, but we'll do our level best not to leave it so long until next time. Yeah, we do always do say it with the best of intentions. It's just sometimes life gets in the way. 
If you've got anything that you'd like to talk about from today's show or anything you'd like us to address in the next edition of the show, we are on Twitter at Beyond INC. And you can still email us at mailbox at beyondtheinc.com. But that is all from us for now. We'll be with you again very soon. <laughs>